Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. There's been this thing on our heart, on our leadership team. We have a prayer ministry team here that prays for you. They hear for you. They declare for you. And one of the reoccurring themes that has been going on within our leadership in this, in this last little bit is this thought, this, this feeling that something new is about to be birthed. That something is happening, something is shifting. And so I want to speak to that today and I want you to know two things. That there is a really, really, really awesome God who is wanting to bless you. But also there's a really, really angry devil that is trying to steal from you. And you, if, if you're going through any conflict or any difficulty or any tension in your life, I need you to understand that it's okay. Like, if you've been through the process of, of going through birth, you know that, like, the very end, the very last season, even up to the moment of giving birth, it's extremely uncomfortable and it's extremely painful. Nobody watches a birthing video and it's like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. It's like, oh. Oh my gosh. But you know that the result of that season of pain and hurt and gross and all, all of it, something beautiful is about to happen. And so according to John 10, it says this. John 10, 10, the, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, say he has come. He has come that you may have life and that they may have life more abundant. I want to read another translation that I love. It says, a thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Oh. That scripture grips my heart because I consider my life to be pretty awesome. I get to run with a lot of awesome people. I, we pastor an amazing church. But yet there's still this thing inside of me that calls out and says, I'm not sure if I'm still, if I'm, if I'm living in fullness until I overflow. Like I feel like, like God has put this thing inside of me. It's not, it's not that I'm not thankful for where I'm at, right? Because we're thankful. If you're not thankful, then you can't praise. And if you can't praise, you can't enter in. But, but there's this weird tension where you're, you're, you're thankful for where you are, but you still know and believe that there is more. Like you look around your life and you read your Bible and you realize we're not called to live like from bummer to bummer. <laughs> like, oh, I got through this and now I'm going through this. That's going to happen, right? But as you read the word, you see that God's people, his body are a people who thrive. That everything their hands touch, they are blessed. That's why we, we honestly believe that Christians should be, you should be an entrepreneur. <laughs> because according to the Bible, everything you touch is blessed. So, so we have to change our minds. And what I'm asking you today is to look at things a little differently. We talk a lot about expectancy, right? We expect and we believe God to bring and that he's coming and he's changing. But expectancy means I expect good. And I also know according to what Paul says in the scriptures that there are going to be times of testing. We quote scriptures. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the. If God is for us, then who can be against us? 
even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I have no fear. Why? Because he's with me. All those are amazing scriptures. But I want you to see that the very same scriptures that you quote in faith, those guys had to go through hell to have that revelation. The only way you can know that in the valley of shadow of death, he's with you, is if you're walking through the valley and you feel disgusted and you feel alone and in the midst of that you're like oh he's still here the only way to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world is when you feel that all of life is coming against you and you're suffocating in quicksand and in the midst of it God is still there and so you had this revelation, even though, even though I'm in pain and I know God is birthing and something is coming out, that, that this season can lead me to a revelation of his goodness. Oh, I live for the day where people of God stop living off of somebody else's revelation. I love it. Listen, we could all grow, but God has called you to walk with him. That doesn't mean we only walk with him when it feels good. That means we walk with him and we allow him. Paul talks about it, we're pressed but we're not crushed. All these situations that he's speaking of, but again, it only came through pressure. And so we expect God to come. It's the same thing. When you have a kid, if you've had a kid or you're going to, there's a season of expectancy where you'll go, are you expecting? What does that mean? It means that for these next nine months, I am preparing for what is coming. And so I'm here to tell you today that whether you've been saved six weeks or 60 years, that you're pregnant with promise. That, that God saying something is being birthed is not for the church, it's for you because you are the church. I would love to say, listen, in the natural, if a woman is pregnant, whether they prepare or make room or not, that thing's coming. It's coming. It doesn't matter how irresponsible the person is, it's coming. In the spirit, in the, in, in the spirit realm, God can deposit seed inside of you, but that seed will remain dormant until you prepare for it to come. Why? Because God's a good steward. And so he's looking for a people that would make room. That in the midst, listen, the devil's been so, so, so good at cluttering our lives. So cluttering our lives and adding and adding and adding to the point where you, you hear people say like, well, I just don't have time for that. <laughs> Insert God. So we talk about intimacy with God. Well, I just don't have time. And we got to take a step back, right, for us, just for a second and ask ourselves, if our lives have become so cluttered, then we have no time for our creator, then, then what are we doing? Are you with me? If our lives have become so consumed with doing, 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 even in Christian circles, I got to tell you, you can be in church and you can become so consumed with becoming that you forget that this is about beholding. You can work for him, but doesn't mean you know him. God said that to me. He said, Gio, I don't want you to serve me. I want you to know me. When you 
know him, it changes the motivation for serving him. And so why is it an issue? I was sitting with the Lord I shared last night. I'm going to share it again. And I'm sitting with him and we're talking. And I get so caught up. We get so caught up in doing, God, I got to do this. And I'm praying for this. And God said, listen, Gio, if you never, if you never did anything again, if you never preached another sermon, if you never prayed for another sick person and saw them get healed, if you never discipled someone again, if all I called you to do for the rest of your life was sit in this chair and it was just me and you, would you be satisfied with that? <laughs> well, God, you wouldn't call me to do that. You'd be surprised what God would do for first love. You'd be surprised what he would do to have a heart that is fully captivated by him. You know what's interesting to me? It's nothing now because of movies and Netflix for us to identify what, what you would have an image in your mind, right? What a demon, possess, a person who is possessed by a demon would look like, right? According to movies, you see evil stuff, you say, a person's carrying something. Now, I wonder how easy it would be to identify someone who would be possessed by God. Like someone who's fully captivated, like their only desire, their only heart, their only, the only thing that they live for. I'm not saying quit your job and hide in a, in a closet, but, but what I'm saying is that, that your motivation, your love, your devotion would flow from this place where it would say, he's all I want. You say, well, how can I live that way? I have needs. According to the Bible, when you seek first the kingdom, he gives you everything you need. It was his command. And so I want to tell you this morning, and I want you to hear this, being in his presence is never a waste of time. Oh, it's such a lie. Sometimes we're in services, and, and because of what we've been taught, there's this still moment. I, me and my wife talk about this, and, and it's like, why are we just sitting? Why isn't someone saying something? Why aren't they leading? And Destiny's like, you need to stop. Because God's in this moment, but it's because we have, we have devalued what it is to just sit with him. And so God is speaking and he's reminding us, if you are going to birth something new, if this new thing is going to come out of you, every single one of you, you have to learn that sitting in my presence is not a waste of time. You say, well, what do I need to be doing? Nothing. <laughs> you sit and you soak and you rest. And you receive his peace because peace is not circumstantial. Peace is a gift. It's something that has been given to you by him. So I'm asking you this morning to change the way, even the way you expect, to realize that through every situation, you're creating room for God to come. And even if it doesn't look the way you thought, and even if you got to push, how many of you know good is an enemy of great? Good is an enemy of great. You could have good things in your life right now that God is asking you to push out for the great. And we get so consumed with holding on and holding on and holding on and holding on that we cannot receive. And we fail to recognize the season that God has us in. According to Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time and a place for everything. And they, they contrast all these different things. And in order for us to know what, how to respond in the season, you have got to know what season you are in. 
you can respond the right way in the, in the wrong season and still be wrong. Well, I responded the right way, but it was the wrong season. There was a season where God had you shouting and declaring, and there's a season where he tells you, be quiet so I can show you my hand. There's a, season for, there's a season for going all in, and there's a season where God brings you back. And what I'm saying is you need to recognize as he's giving birth to the newness that God is doing a new thing, but you have to recognize what season you are in. I want to take you to a scripture. The scripture is this. It is 1 Kings 19. This is the scripture of Elijah. And if you read a couple of chapters before, there's this amazing sequence of stories where the prophets of Baal rose up and there was this contest on Mount Carmel and all of these things happen. And, 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 and long story short, God shows up and shows out. And all of the prophets of Baal die and Elijah's in this place where God had used him to do something incredible to show his, his greatness to a whole nation. And so then this woman rises up and says, I'm going to kill you. And he flees and he goes to a cave. And in the midst of being in the cave, God speaks to him. What are you doing here? What was happening in his life? He was about, his season was about to change. There's an earthquake. He wasn't in the earthquake. There was a fire. He wasn't in the fire. I'm giving you context so you understand. And finally, God speaks to him in a whisper. And he says, I'm calling you to go. And what he calls him to go is to Elisha, which would be the next person that would pick up his office of prophet. And I just think, I just want to stop there for a moment because I need you to see this. So many of us, we, we hate to be hidden. Like there are seasons, and if you've been there, if you're not, don't identify, but there are some of you in this room, God has taken you and he's hidden you. Where you used to be on staff, you used to do this, you used to be in front of people, and he's hidden you, and you've despised the hidden season. But had it not been for the season of hiddenness, Elijah never would have seen Elisha. Even in the season of being hidden that you don't understand and is uncomfortable, God is birthing you to send you to your new place. And so now he's on his way to meet Elisha, and there's a story that takes place, and I want to read it. 1 Kings 19 verse 19. It says, so Elijah went out and he found Elisha and he was plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elijah was plowing the 12th team. So they were working. This was his job. Elisha went over to him and he threw his cloak across his shoulders and then he walked away. That's all he did. Took off his cloak, threw it over the, over the shoulder of Elisha and he walked away. So Elisha immediately realized what had happened and he said, First, let me go kiss my father and my mother goodbye. He recognized his season was about to change. And then I will go with you. And then Elijah, Elijah said this. I want you to read this underline. He said, go back, but think about what I have done to you. Behold, stop, perceive. I want you to see what really happened in this moment. And so Elijah returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire. He roasted their flesh and he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then Elisha went to Elijah. 
And there's this story of a transition that takes place where the prophet Elijah comes to Elisha and he throws his cloak. What does it symbolize? It symbolized that now the authority that Elijah had is being passed on. Not just the authority, but the office of prophet. And so his initial response is, okay, 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 let me take care of, let me take care of what I have to take care of before I can follow you. But Elijah responds to him, oh, go. But I want you to realize the shift that just took place in your life. <laughs> and so what is his response? I would say in this world, even if you went to some people, they would say, well, if you're going to leave the oxen, maybe leave them in the shed because you never know. You never know, like, maybe the Elijah thing doesn't work out. Like, I heard that some bears killed some people. He's angry. Maybe we should sell the plow and the oxen off and use the money to do mi None of that. The moment he recognized the season of change, everything that once brought him life, support his lifeline, he burned it. To the, un, to the unrenewed mind, it seems reckless. But when you understand the kind of devotion and the relationship God calls you to, you build a fire and you're like, it's worth nothing. <laughs> he calls you and it's like everything that once brought me life, it paid my bills, it fed my family. All of a sudden I realized that I'm in a new season. And that new season requires me getting rid of the old and embracing the new. Elijah, Elijah did not give Elijah a manual that let him know what the next couple of years of his life was going to be like. It was simply an invitation. It's no different, man. I need you to see this. The story of the prodigal son, which is the story of every single one of us coming back to the father. What does the father do? When the son returns home, he, he puts on a robe and he restores to him. And I feel it's no different. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, he restores your purity and he calls you. There's no different. There's no, there's no such thing. There's no such thing in Christianity as somebody who serves Jesus and is in ministry and somebody who's not. There's no such thing. I'm sorry we've created a separation, but according to the book, when you said yes, you became a party, a part of a royal priesthood. You are a king of priests. That means your job is to release kingdom everywhere that you go. Well, I want to be in full-time ministry. Well, good you are. What are you saying? You want to be paid? I get it. But the moment you said yes, you were grafted into this body where we are now called to every person we come against, we display his love and his mercy and his goodness. We're brokers. <laughs> if the world is bankrupt and broke of love, it's because his people are not brokering what they've been given. And so I sense that today, over God's people, this shifting of a season where we recognize and we let go and we burn and we forsake everything that once brought, but it makes me feel comfortable. Do you want to live in comfort? 
Or do you want to live in purpose? Recognizing that he's calling us. And that it's the little things. Listen, the people of Israel were crossing into a promise. And they were standing at the edge of a promise. And many times we tell the story of when they came and they spied out the land. And we, we, we emphasize the giants, right? They saw the giants. The reality is it was not the giants that kept them from entering into the promise. What, what kept them from the promise were the ten spies that did not have the capability to see from kingdom perspective. It's not, it's not the giants in your life that will stop you from accomplishing your purpose. It's the little voices. <laughs> oh, it's the inner talk. The things we've been taught to believe and we say, the self-talk, the people we allow into our circles that are like, can God really? Should you really? It's that that will stop you from walking into everything that God has for you. So we expect, we recognize. And here's the last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk to you about giving yourself to obedience. Oh, I would love to talk to you about surrender. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've been running for, with people for a long, long, long time now. And, and often we'll get asked a question like, you know, we've, been, we've lived in Africa, we've lived in Mexico, we've emptied bank accounts and we've given and like how well I want to live like that they'll say stuff like how can we do what you do and it's like they want a formula right but the only formula the only the only thing that I can point to that we've ever done to see God even build this church is a continual surrender that we would consistently yield our lives and we see ourselves bringing our lives as an offering unto him. And we ask if God, is this pleasing to you? <laughs> Does the way I live my life please you? Does it make your heart glad? And we surrender and we give ourselves and we realize that if I'm going to birth something, it has to be birthed from a place of health. You see, what we do here on Sunday mornings this is public adoration. This, this Sunday mornings are public displays of affection. They're good. We all get to come in and publicly declare our love for God. The only issue with that is, uh, the only issue with that is, is when you see someone who's pregnant, that, that was conceived in a moment of private intimacy. Public adoration will never lead to conception. When you see a woman that is pregnant, you may not know when it happened, but you knew at some point there was a pulling away from the masses and there was a time of intimacy. If not, it was weird awkward but in any normal situation and so what we see in the church today is people I'm gonna give I'm pregnant with promise and I'm about to give birth but their stomachs are spiritually flat and they fail to realize that you cannot give birth to the new without private intimacy 
The truth is when you're really pregnant with promise, you don't have to say it. Women who are pregnant, especially when they're really, you don't have to ask them, are you pregnant? It's evident that there's something inside of her that is about to pop out. And so why should it be any different in the church? Why do we have, I'm about to give birth in the new season, but there's, why? If you are really about to give birth, I want to tell you everybody around you can see it. I want to tell you that it's going to require you going into your secret place and you battling and you giving yourself and you seeing yourself and you beholding him and allowing him to put inside of you. Sometimes that even looks like you letting your dreams die. You don't want to hear that. I know. But what if his dream for you was everything you never knew you always wanted? I think of seasons where I used to, it used to be so hard for me to give to God. God, how am I going to do this? It hurts. And I think of where we are now and I'm like, thank God. It was painful and I didn't understand it and it hurt. But thank God because the ability for me to release that made space in my life for me to receive everything he had. And how many of you know nobody knows you like God does? You don't even know you like God knows you. Surrender positions us and it plants us in the soil. And the soil of uncertainty and the soil of faith, the soil sometimes that feels so uncomfortable is where your faith is activated. It's where you come alive and you begin to realize God is birthing and he's doing and he's calling. And so I'll leave this and I'll, we've left salaries, we've left houses, we've given away because when we counted the cost, we found him worthy. I don't know if you understand that. Jesus did it. People were trying to follow Jesus and it seems like he was talking them out of it. It's so countercultural to how we build churches. Don't say anything because they'll leave and if they leave, what will we do? Oh my gosh. And Jesus, when he met people, it was, you better count the cost. Foxes have dens. But me, I got no place to lay my head. And he doubles down. And by the end of the spiel, he's like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, we understand. We're like, oh, that's cute. That's communion. Those people did not understand what the crap he was talking about. They're like, Jesus has lost his mind. This is cannibalism. You understand? But as he invites us in, to be a kingdom of priests and to broker heaven. You have to realize that for you to be pregnant, for you to give birth, you have to make room, you have to recognize what has been given to you and you have to surrender the old so you can receive the new. God has not called you to live in lack. He's not called you to live in sickness. You say, well, I'm sick. I understand. But he paid the price. He's not called you to live in depression. Well, I feel depressed. I love what Kaylin said today, man. She came up here. 
y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know for her to come up here and talk about that the last season that they've been in. Sometimes we think things are just words, right? But what she released over you today, if you had the ability to step into that, there was freedom. Because you have a person standing on stage beckoning you to sing, God, you are good, when they haven't felt that for a little while. (laughs) You don't get it. And that's what God is trying to show us. That our faith, our walk, our devotion goes beyond. That's why it's called faith. That he's calling us into this place. Oh, there's one more thing I want to tell you. Give me a moment. Jesus. You know what? Let's, let's end right here. Let's, let's close our eyes for a moment. God, I just ask right now, and I just feel, I just want to silence every voice of the enemy right now. In Jesus' name, we just silence every voice of the enemy right now. And God, we just breathe in your presence right now. We breathe in your peace. We breathe in your hope. We breathe in your joy. I want to pray for people today. And here's what I want to pray for. If there's anyone in the room right now that you say, I found myself in a season of, of despair. It's like what you said about giving birth and uncomfortable and awkward, all that. I feel it. We want to partner with you and pray over you right now. As you sit, would you just raise your hand? I don't know who you are. Anybody else? There's multiple hands up. Who else? We're going to pray for you. And I'm not even going to ask you to stand. But I want to identify who you are. Anyone else? I want you to keep your hand up because I'm going to have people pray over you. Yeah. Hey, prayer team, would you just stand right now and go ahead and surround those people and pray over them? Anyone else, this is your moment. I want to pray over your dreams. Man, I just see God breaking things off of you today. You you may feel like that sounds generic. It's really not. I see God breaking anger off. I see God breaking hopelessness off. And I see, you, I see you birthing all the things, even dreams. Man, I even feel like there's dreams in this room that you felt, you felt were dead and you gave up on. Who is that? You've been dreaming over something and you're like, that thing died. Who are you? Would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray over every single person right now and we speak freedom. The ability to have dreams, to see a path, God. And I thank you right now, God, that you're doing a work, that you're doing a work in hearts. God, I thank you even for the difficult seasons 
that we don't understand, God. And I ask that you would show us what you are birthing. The way you showed Paul, the way you showed the different men of the Bible that walked through, God, show us, God, what you are birthing through this season. Oh, and we just break off everything off of you right now that is not from God. And we replace it with peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And God, we count the cost. We count the cost and we see you worthy, Lord. Man, I pray right now even over family members right now. People who have left the church because of discouragement, letdowns in the church. God, we pray for them right now in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you would show them that the bride is rising up. The bride is rising up. The bride is rising up. And God, we say yes. We say yes, we say yes, man. I speak over you that your, your, your man-sized dreams would become God-sized dreams. For business, for ministry, that God would speak to you in the night, dreams that would even blow your mind, that you would be like, how? That he would take you to the nations. That he would send you to the most uncomfortable places. Yes, Lord.